You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, greetings, everyone. This is another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe, and today I've got a guest who is himself a successful entrepreneur. We're going to talk about his journey and some of his experiences and hopefully uh, give you some inspiration for things you might do differently with your company. And his name is Brian Clayton. Brian, welcome to the show, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Doug. It's great to be here. Yeah. Tell everybody where you're calling in from. Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, that's where my company Green Pal is based out of. Beautiful Nashville, yeah, big big area there. Are you in Nashville proper, or one of the great suburbs around there? Uh, Midtown Nashville, so okay. right next to downtown. I'm, I'm away from all the craziness on Broadway, uh, luckily. Uh, okay. So yeah, but but right smack dab in the middle of, of the core. So nobody's trolling by your office playing guitar or anything. Huh? Well, we're, we've, we're the bachelorette party uh, capital of the world, I think. And so we have these uh, we have these hay wagons that literally drag uh, like hay wagons full of of crazy party party uh, animals, you know, screaming all throughout the city. So they do come by my condo where I live. Awesome. <laughs> but you know, it's part of part of it when you live here. Well, as is uh, custom on this show, give us a little bit of rundown, kind of the backstory of your journey to get to where you are right now as a business owner. Yeah, so I am currently the CEO co-founder of a company called GreenPal. GreenPal is a mobile app that works kind of like Uber or DoorDash or Instacart but for lawn maintenance services. So if you're a homeowner or you rent a home, need to get a basic grass cutting, rather than calling around on Craigslist or Facebook, you just uh, download GreenPal, pop your address in, you'll get four or five quotes back in a minute or two, hire the guy you wanna work with and pay them and schedule them right through the app. GreenPal is a 10 year overnight success. Been at this thing for a little over a decade. And now we are nationwide United States. We have the largest network of lawn care services in the country, uh, doing around 300,000 uh, uh, active homeowners using the, the platform uh, every, every week to get their grass cut. So it's, it's, it's still growing. So it's been a slog. Uh, the first four or five years were tough, but now it's starting to take off. Before GreenPal, I actually had a landscaping company. So that's how I got into the business was, was running my landscaping business uh, uh, before that. And it is uh, GreenPal your only uh, business now? Yeah, well, my first company uh, was a was a lawn mowing business that I that I started with just me and a push mower and grew to like 150 employees. Ended up building one of the larger landscaping businesses in the state of Tennessee, and it was acquired in 2013. So during the course of that, <clears throat> I uh, invested in other things over a 15 year period of time, particularly a lot, a lot of real estate. And so I run on <clears throat> on the side of a real estate investment company, um, and <clears throat> and then uh, Green Pal is my full time gig. Oh, great! That's great. So, how big is the company now in terms of uh, headcount and uh, topside revenue? If you don't mind sharing that. Yeah, so we're forty two people now. That's uh, people that work in house in the company. 32,000 contractors use the platform to operate their business, to get new customers, to bill for the work they do, to get paid. And then over 300,000 homeowners use it to hire those contractors. We currently do a little over $30 million a year in revenue uh, and we're self-funded. We haven't uh, raised any outside capital. And that's one of the reasons why it was challenging to get it going at first was we were growing the business off of its own revenues. 
and in the early days, that wasn't a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like you, um, you know, made some smart plays with what you had and, and got the traction you needed and in, in the sticking power that is so critical. So if you're 11 years old, you, um, well, I guess you came out of the ground right after the last big financial crash here in the U.S. in huh? 2008. That's right, yeah, but I still had the scars uh, from from that. Um, I, I was running a traditional landscaping business with over 100 employees through through that big uh, crash, and that was tough. A lot of uh, other contractors that that uh, were in similar situations, you know, almost went out of business. Yeah, and so and so for for me, it was. It was tough. It was tough to uh, to get through that. Hold on, someone someone's being loud next to me. Sorry about that. No worries. Uh, how's that? A little yeah, bit better. There we go. Yeah. So, was- uh, so so yeah. That and that really, you know, going through that and and surviving that um, kind of impacted how I run GreenPal. We ran it debt free. Ran it without raising outside capital because I saw a lot of, a lot of other businesses go out of business because they took on too much debt. They took on too much capital and. And uh, didn't make through it. So it was kind of sad. Where do you think your original motivation to become an entrepreneur, where, where did that come from? You know, I was actually dragged into uh, entrepreneurship, <laughs> <Okay>. kicking, <laughs> kicking and screaming by my father. Uh, I, you know, it was the mid-1990s and it was a hot summer day and I was inside in the air conditioning playing Super Mario Brothers. And he, and he said, hey, get off of your butt. I got a gig for you. You're going to go mow the neighbor's yard. So he made me go cut the neighbor's grass. And, uh, and, and luckily he did because I got paid 20 bucks after that. And I was hooked. I was, I was hooked on the idea of owning my own business. I was hooked on the idea of being able to kind of chart my own way. And, uh, and so if it hadn't been for that, there's no telling how different my life would be. And so I've never had a, a, a job. I've always owned my own company and, and uh, so luckily my dad made me go mow my first yard. Well, you know, there, there are a lot of people that are probably listening right now that are going to say, yeah, I can remember doing grass cutting as a kid for my, my spend money, but there aren't too many people that turn that into a lifelong business. And uh, I, you're actually the second guy I've known that, that did that. I, I knew a guy here locally in Houston that did that. And he, um, his motivation was after pushing the mower himself in hundred degree, he, he said, no, I'm going to hire some guys to do this. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was very much how it unfolded for me as well. You know, I, I, I did it through high school and then put myself through college uh, mowing grass. And then after that, I had to make a decision. Was I going to go into the job market and basically take a pay cut or stick with this landscaping company and see how far I could take it? I really didn't want to be a lawn guy my whole life, but, you know, I, I saw it as my lane. I saw, you know, business ownership as my lane and, and I really just kind of took it one level at a time. Um, you know, hiring my first employee was, was maybe a level in and of itself, then getting, you know, four or five people together, then getting it to 20 or 30, then, then every level kind of, kind of had its own final boss or dragon to slay at the end of the level. So, and that's how 22 years of entrepreneurship kind of has shaken out for me, both businesses. It's just one level at a time, and every level kind of has its own challenges. Yeah. And as you kind of hit those hurdles, what was your 
normal way of getting through them or, or has your approach to exploring a hurdle, you know, has that changed with the experience you've got now? You know, for me, it's kind of like you, you just focus on one or two things and not really worry about anything else. And so for, for, for you know, in terms of like challenges, you, you really just kind of have to distill it down to, okay, what can I, what, what's in my circle of influence? What can I actually do and not even worry about all the stuff that's in the certain in, inside of the, 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 the circle of experience, the things that, 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 that I'm seeing and noticing that I have no impact over and, uh, and going through the 2008 financial crisis with that business was very much like that. It was, it was okay. Well, our sales have been cut by 80%. Payroll is 200 grand a week you know, what can we do? And we're just going to have to, you know, we're going to have to figure out how to rally the team around it and, and get through it. And uh, it's funny looking back, like every, every challenging thing I've ever gone through in business, five years later, 10 years later, I was kind of glad they happened. You know, I was kind of in a weird way, glad that, that me as a founder, as an entrepreneur went through that that the company went through that because it made, it made me a better founder, made me a better entrepreneur, made the company stronger. And going through the 2008 financial crisis was one of the reasons why I was able to get the business acquired was because I had to take that business down to the studs and rebuild it from the inside out one piece at a time. And so that was one, one way, one reason I was able to even get it to a, to a place where it could be acquired. So, you know, uh, hopefully we don't go to, through a, a terrible recession that's coming up, but I would just encourage founders out there, you know, it's not happening to you as a business owner. It's happening for you. You know, you, you, you will get through this. Yeah. Well, that's a good word of advice. And, and there are so many examples. And I know one thing that I'm talking to business owners about right now, there's a general fear about what's coming. You know, it's like, well, what about tomorrow? What about the market? What about this? What about that? And I liked what you said about, no, focus on the things you can control. That's right. And I've, I've actually encouraged owners to consider what can you do to actually grow during this time as opposed to pulling back. Yeah, to lean into it. A lot of times, you know, the <clears throat> things you can control, even though it might feel helpless at times, are your employees, are yeah, you know, the, your team members, the people in the business, you know, you can check in with them more often. You can try to figure out what, what, what they're seeing and what, what opportunities they, they might be, be able to spot that you're missing there. It's customers. It's like, who are my top 10 or 20 customers? Let me go see them more often. Um, a lot, there's a lot more in your control than you think. Um, it's just, it's just as the founder, as the, as the, as the chief, you know, we get complacent. We don't necessarily want to go on that sales call anymore. We don't want to call up that customer anymore. We don't want to do customer support anymore because we feel like we're, we're above it. Well, a lot of times, you know, if you'll, if you'll take a step back and, and get more hands-on in times like these, it can be the difference between growing and prospering through this or, or, or going out of business like some people are going to. Yeah, I think you raise an interesting idea here for the growth and the, and the cycles or seasons, if you want to call it that, that your business endeavors have been through, how would you describe your own personal change as a founder, owner, operator? What, what are some of the hurdles that you think you've seen personally as growth steps? Yeah, I think that's one of the fun things about starting a business and growing it to whatever level 
you grow alongside of the business. So if you're if you're running a small business well, you alongside the business will grow alongside it. So so what I mean by that is like it's going to require you to become a decent leader. It's going to require you to become a decent manager, maybe a decent bookkeeper, maybe a decent sales guy, you know, maybe a decent product design guy, whatever. And so uh, and so that's one thing that's been fun for me looking at the last 22 years is that I am a totally different person every two or three years uh, growing alongside the company. And a lot of times when my company stalls out and, and reaches like a, like a plateau, it's because I have reached a plateau. I, I, uh, you know, I didn't grow as a leader. Or I didn't evolve or I didn't want to pick up a book on, on uh, you know, whatever could be data analysis or something like that to figure out, okay, where's the log jam and what we're doing? Like as a founder, you have to, you have to level up alongside the company. And that's been one of the fun things that I've learned is that not to believe your own BS, you know, not to believe that, oh, well, I'm not a designer, therefore I can't create a new app. Well, you know, in about six weeks, you can learn 80% of what, what it is to become a good designer and you can build your own app if you really wanted to. Um, and so that's one thing that's, that's been cool for me is like looking back at like the last 20 years is all of these skills I've had to learn along the way. And uh, a lot of times it's just, you know, me quite, quite frankly, is being lazy, not wanting to put in the work to learn the stuff. <clears throat> well, you know, listening to all of that, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say you're, you're in the rare two or 3% of most business owners. Um, and I mean that in a good way, but um, the challenge I think that I see with a lot of owners is They've got a lot of energy. They've got a lot of inspiration. They've got a great vision and some great ideas. And maybe, you know, for some period of time, they can assemble a really strong team to stand up a business, get it running. But when they inevitably hit one of those growth plateaus, and, and I love your word plateau because it happens in every business, there's a kind of stair-step trajectory on the growth. It's not a nice flat line or climbing line it's usually these stair step things you get on those plateaus sometimes you get stuck for quite a while and you're banging your head against the wall going what's wrong with this picture i'm you know I'm, i did all this it got us to this point why can't we do more it's usually that owner's block the the mindset is not willing and ready to shift to the next level sad yeah and in most every business grows to the kind of the incompetencies of the founder i've been there you know and and uh the the thing is, is like you mentioned like some is it's not it's not a nice uh upward line it's it's stair steps or sometimes which is even harder it goes backwards and sometimes you got to go backwards to go forwards to to grow the business and, and and that's really tough um it's hard psychologically to pull out of that i think in business you're doing three things at once you're working in the business. You know, you're just making sure the train trains run on time. You're you're making sure that customers are getting served. You're making sure that you're executing, and then you're working on the business. You know, you're you're building the systems, processes. You're looking at the strategy, looking at the big picture, trying to figure out where you're taking the company. And then the third thing is, is you're working on yourself. You are you are reading the books. You're going to the 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 meetups. You're you're listening to podcasts, going to YouTube University, trying to figure out where you need block and tackling to level up, what skills you don't have. And so you're doing all three of those at once, in the business, on the business, and then on yourself. 
Well, <clears throat> I'm, I'm glad you've had that recognition and that realization, but again, I'm going to, I'm going to put an exclamation point on what I said. It, all of that that you just described, I think makes you in the top. Okay. Maybe I'll be a little more generous. Maybe I'll say top 10% of business. Owners. <laughs> there you go. There you but, go. It's this stuff, this stuff, seven days a week, you know, it's, it's a full contact sport, you know, like you are your business you, you, is a small business owner scaffolding around you and who you are. It is, but you you touched on a couple of key areas that I think people trip on and, and miss out on. So working in the business is the obvious, you know, whatever you've got set up, whether it's an office or a shop or a facility, you show up and you turn on the lights and, you know, you have a new day and you immediately get bogged down or distracted by the crisis of the day, whatever that may be. And you wake up or look up and it's six, seven, eight o'clock at night and it's time to go home and hopefully introduce yourself to the family, you know, but gosh, it's so true. Um, it, it, so they get stuck on that working in the business and it, it is a popular phrase among business coaches to get people to stop working in the business, but start working on the business. Right. And to take that one step further, which you've already covered, I think what is so vital is it's not just figuring out some more higher level blocking and tackling to work on the business, but it's that work on yourself idea. That's right. That's right. That you know, how, how are you going to lead? How are you going to lead a team of salespeople if you haven't ever read a book on on running a sales process? How are you going to lead a team of software developers if you've never written a line of code? How are you going to uh, look at the sales copy of the website if you've never read a book on copywriting? And so, a lot of these things, you know, you have to level up to like half-ass good at a lot of like thirty different things to to be a successful founder. Yeah. And I think there's just a lot of uh, founders out there that, that sadly struggle with that. And I've frequently told this story when I go back to my early career as a banker and I watched companies that would hit these trajectories looking really good, really solid. And, you know, we were continuing to build and grow the relationship at the bank. And then all of a sudden they had hit this plateau and they'd say, well, I'm not going to make my numbers this quarter, you know, and then you go back in and well... I lost my big account and next thing you know, they're just back on that plummet uh, sometimes to total failure. Yeah. And, and as, a, as a young banker, I watched this stuff and I used to scratch my head and go, what the hell? I mean, these guys had a good run going. Why, what went wrong? And when I started really leaning into it and exploring it, it, it was the owner mindset. And I, I happen to do a lot of my banking in the real estate sector, and I came to the phrase, I said, if you're going to own a business, there's six inches of real estate that's the most important asset you're ever going to have. It's right here. That's, <laughs> right exactly, between that's exactly right. That's the highest, like, probably leverage point you have in, a, in business and life is you leveling up, you learning new skills, you, you getting better at, at things you're going to need to play this game. And uh, it's really kind of table stakes. Um one of, my, one of my favorite quotes from Jeff Bezos, he says, the thing I love the most about the customer is that they are always discontent. 
And what he means by that is that you always have to innovate. You always have to, to bring to, bring to the market a new and better, faster, cheaper, more reliable service or else you'll get left behind. Yeah. And part of that, you, it means you as the founder have to level up alongside that. Yeah. Well, and that gets us into another discussion about the ever changing market around you. You launch your business and maybe you've got a, a specific idea of a service or a, or a, a widget that you're going to produce and put out there. But as soon as you conquer that market and get some commanding market share, that market's going to move away from you. It always does. They're yeah. going to find the next thing. They're going to find the next idea. And even if it's just the, you know, appeal of having the new thing, they're going to move away from you. And if you're not plugged into that. And the, the other thing is, it's not just, it's not just the market. It's marketing, like getting, getting good at like certain marketing channels. Uh, that stuff dries up, you know, maybe you're good at Facebook ads or you're good at like uh, running a sales process or you're good at like organic search engine optimization or something that stuff dries up and, and collapses if you're not innovating in like the distribution and sales of the product too. So you have to innovate on, on both fronts. And it, it kind of means that you as the founder are always scanning and looking for the new opportunities because you're always reading and learning new things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good point. I think uh, we're going to take a quick pause, Brian, and uh, plug in a commercial message here, uh, talking about staying up with the market and getting things done, paying some bills. But uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of your other ideas and experiences on, on being that really well-rounded, effective owner. So hang with us, folks. We'll be right back. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. Well, hello everyone, we're back. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe, and I'm uh, visiting with Brian Clayton. He is the founder creator of a company in Nashville called GreenPal. It's actually a national platform. And um, while we were in the green room during the break, we were talking about two, two big things I think we'll focus on this second half. First, uh, Brian, you mentioned that there was some learning uh, about your second iteration as a company, as you were standing up GreenPal, you kind of had the tech company startup mindset. And can you kind of unpack that and explain what you mean by that? Yeah. So uh, running my first business, uh, over a hundred people, like 90 trucks going out every day and running a sales organization in that company and a hand-to-hand -hand combat, a lot of, a lot of uh, in the trenches type, type of work. Um, and it was very much a blue collar business. And when I sold it and had to kind of reinvent myself into, into becoming a tech entrepreneur, I started to see all of these opportunities for, wow, if I could have just thought like this in my old business, life could have been a lot easier. And, and I could have built a more competitive business and a more efficient business and a more profitable business. And so, and so I, would, I would encourage founders listening to this to think about trying to think like a tech 
entrepreneur inside of their traditional business. And what I mean by that is everything that the business does, there's probably uh, a way to make it more efficient and more effective by implementing software um, to, to make it run more smoothly. And so that could be employee training, that could be uh, sales, that could be, uh, that could be uh, uh, anything like around just, just uh, the routine processes that occur in the business every day that feel like, like feel routinized. You can look at implementing software solutions for those to make them run smoother, and sometimes maybe even without you. A lot of times, if if you just look at what you're doing um, inside of the business on a repetitive manner, well, there's a lot of times you can automate these things with with good software implementations. And 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 this this can be uh, this can feel overwhelming uh, because it's like where do I even start, you know? And just focus on one piece of it. Maybe the maybe you know everybody has tough time finding good employees now. Maybe the, the, the maybe you just create the best uh, software training system for training new recruits. So where like you know, maybe it took six months to get them up to speed. Now it only takes six weeks. If you invest in this stuff and, 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 and systematize with software certain aspects of the business, it can it can really reinvigorate and reinvent the company. Yeah, there, there's a whole lot to be said. And there are, you know, several books out there that address this. And the idea is. Fundamentally, when you realize, especially as the founder owner, when you realize you're repeating yourself on a regular mm. basis, yep. put that in a system, get, yep. you know, we've got great tools that, that, and when we say, you know, build some software folks, we're not talking about huge investments. I mean, you can use simple online tools like Loom to record a video to explain the steps. Screen so capture, true you know, open this screen, click this button, go here, put in this, da 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 da, da. You know, if, if you've got a 10-step new account setup process, well, shoot yourself a Loom video and give it to the, the, the person that you've hired to run that desk. That is such a good example. And that's a simple thing that every founder, every business owner can do. Uh, screen recording steps of a workflow of, of something that, that they want it done this way and 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 want it done, uh, you know, routinely this way, um, rather than overcomplicating it. Just just do a screen uh, record, and like a lot of times, maybe the first one you do sucks, and you can watch it and say, okay, yeah, this is how I can make this more clear, and this is how I can take it from ten minutes down to five, and then now that's an asset that you can give to every single new new team member, and that we don't have to like do that training piece over and over and over again. Well, and I've known several owners that have gone through that process of, of piece by piece, in, in effect, documenting the steps that they want done to, to have the work produced the way they want it done to support the brand and all that good stuff. But what, what they'll inevitably tell me is once I put this little video or this training or this document together and I hand it to my team, the next thing you know, the team's coming back saying, uh, we found a better way. We, we found a, a, a smoother, simpler way to get to that end. Is it okay if we change it? And a smart owner will say, yeah, <laughs> go yeah. ahead. And let's start working on the asset, you know, and improving it. You know, it's, it's like uh, consistency isn't just about um, putting something out there and it happening over and over again on a consistent basis, what you really want is you, you, you make it, you put it out there and it's consistent, it's happening and improving. 
Yeah. And which so you come back a year later and the process and the system is better. And because, you know, you know, people that are actually executing are bringing to you new ideas and then you improve that, that training process, it should get better. If it's not, then it's going to be dying. Yeah. And, and related to that is the idea of, as you are experiencing your, your business and, and you're working with a client relationship or delivering on a big project, um, as you learn things from those, when the customer comes back and says, I don't like it this way, I wish you'd do it that way, and you think about it and you agree, you say, yeah, that's that could be better. And it's that continuous improvement of the process that is really golden for the long haul. Yeah, and 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 really it's table stakes. You know, you you have to look for ways to improve it over time, if not. It's like one of my favorite quotes is, is George Patton. He says, if you're not gaining ground, you're losing ground. And that's what, that's the way business is. Yeah, definitely true. The other thing I want to touch on, Brian, we, we, we dangled this in the first half of the show and I want to really lean into it. And that's the idea of a business owner becoming a leader for the business you you alluded to it that when you were talking about your three-part work in the business, on the business, and work on yourself, you talked about leadership being part of the learning. Talk a little more about the value that you've found in, in that part of the journey. Yeah, it's it, nobody teaches us how to become a leader. It's taught nowhere. Maybe in the military, uh, and, you know, maybe if you – you know, we're at GE during the Jack Welch days or something, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some great leadership uh, uh, training programs within, within organizations these days. But if you're a founder, if you're a small business owner, you know, and nobody teaches you how to become a leader. And so you kind of have to like do it bad for a long time. And then everybody's like pissed off and hates you. And then you start to have to, you have to really understand that's you. And this happened to me. Uh, it was one day, maybe year seven or eight, my first business. And I was, I was driving to the office and I had this knot in my stomach. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to be there. Um, a lot of the people that worked for me, I didn't like, and they didn't like me and the, and the vibe and the, and the, uh, the attitude of the company just sucked. And I thought, man, this sucks. Why, why, why is this happening to me? And then I realized you, you know, this is, you built this, this is reflecting you that you get as the founder, you get exactly the, the company culture you deserve. You get exactly the enthusiasm and, and vibe that you deserve because it's a reflection of you. And I had to learn that the hard way. And it was, it was very, very, very difficult. And so it started with me, you know, when I showed up, I've got a smile on my face. My shirt's tucked in. I feel good. I got a good night's sleep. Maybe I'm bringing donuts. I'm, I'm saying hello to the receptionist. I'm asking her how her weekend was. You know, I really do give a crap how her weekend was. Things like that started with me, and it took a long time. But as time went on, I was able to rebuild the culture from the inside out uh, in the business. And it was some of it was pruning out some, some bad fits and some, and some cancer within the company. But it took probably two years. Um, but I had to realize it started with me and started with, with, with my leadership style, my level of enthusiasm, my attitude, because if you can't keep that at a high, high level, then it permeates throughout the rest of the company. Yeah. In, in a weird way, I'm thinking of an, of an old story. It's an old pastor joke. Uh, pastor got up one Sunday and really felt on fire and he just delivered this real, 
heavy-handed, you know, light everybody up kind of sermon about how everybody's wrong and needs to get their lives straight and everything. And he, he was proud of himself for what he had done. And they, on the way home, he and his wife were driving down the street and she was curled up way over on the passenger side and hugging the door, you know, and real quiet. And he said, honey, what's wrong? And she goes, I don't want to go to your church anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know and a lot of times as as the chief as the leader you, you have to be chief cheerleader you know like you you uh it all emanates from you and and uh nobody teaches us that right unfortunately you got to do it wrong until it reaches a boiling point that's what it's what's happened to me well and it is that that critical creation of a culture as a company it's one thing to say here's my vision for a service or a product or what this company's going to be about in the market. And here's the full comprehensive definition of the value we're going to deliver to our customers. But if you don't build a team and a culture that lives and eats and breathes that idea, you, your, your product is dead on arrival. Exactly. And that culture is a competitive advantage. Do you want to be, do you want to be Chick-fil-A or do you want to, do you want to be Burger King? You know, do you want to be Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? Like in terms of, of, of the, the service level and, and, and the quality of service from the people and you as the founder are, you know, as a founder, you know, there's, there's a few things only you can do. Um, and, and culture is one of them. Only right. you can set and maintain and set the standard for that culture. Nobody else can do that. Right. And that's something, that, you know, as you get through these metaphorical levels and you start growing your business to beyond a couple of people, you have to be thinking about this stuff. That's right. Yeah, you, you have to really get a focus on that. And, you know, for me, one of the high watermarks about that is um, – what was created in the original Southwest airlines, you know, mm, exactly. Gallagher and his team, they wanted a fun experience. I mean, yeah. they, they were about the fun, you know, they, yep. and I know it was a different place in time and all that, but, um, but that's such a great example. And how, had, and how, how was a competitive advantage for them? You oh, know, it, it took a it, lot of work it, to build that. It became huge because, yep. you know, and, and they were a businessman's jet, so people trying to, you know, crisscross the country to, to do business, um, you know, if you're a businessman, you've had a bad day or hard day, you, you, now you got to get on the plane to go home. And if, if it's a, a brutal, unfriendly, you know, jam in the plane and get home idea, but to have a little fun, to have the little cutting up on the microphone, telling stories and doing all the dry boring stuff that airlines have to do but do it with a little fun and a little flair i mean people felt good about that they got you know they got motivated again what a great example you know southwest chick-fil-a starbucks these are all examples of 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 training and recruiting people at scale to deliver a higher level of service and if and if they can do it in the thousands of team members you can do it as a small business owner in the tens and the hundreds right for sure, for sure. Well, as we kind of get near the end here, Brian, any, any thoughts about just a key framework you would tell an aspiring owner, somebody that's listening right now that's maybe just in that first year or two, they, they're, they're feeling a little 
little struggle, little frustration. What's, uh, what's some of your ideas on, on helping them turn the corner? I think, uh, you know, if you're in the first couple of years, those are the hardest, right? And I, I think, I think a lot of times starting a, a new business from scratch is all about habits and routines and, and less so about making any, like to use American football as a, an example, it's, it's running game and less, and, and less Hail Marys. And a lot of it, the first three or four years can feel futile and they can, and it can feel like you're, you're in like a hamster on a wheel. But, uh, I, like one of my favorite books about this is, is, is atomic habits. And what that author talks about is like some of your highest performing, like athletes and, and, and business figures was, is, is like, like their ability to endure boredom is, is, is just greater, particularly in the early years. And if you can, if you can just stick it out, stick out the grind, stick out the slog and, and, and get to that tipping point, it'll be worth it. But, but the first three or four years are tough. And a lot of times it's imperceivable improvements that don't add up. They compound. And it's the little 1%, 2%, 3% gains you're making that compound that then reach that tipping point later. That's not, they don't add up. It, it, it's compounding. And so I would think of it that way. Like think of like everything you're doing now as a compounding equation and not as an addition. Yeah, I like that. And that is so important to, you know, break everything down and try to work your plan in conscious, intentional steps. Right. Um, I love that word intentional. It's, it's so important because it's otherwise so easy to show up at work, get blindsided with a half dozen phone calls. And, and again, I said it earlier, you know, you, you, you look up and it's seven o'clock at night and you hadn't even had lunch yet, you know, and and you're sitting there going, what the heck happened? All you did was work in the business and, uh, that's a trap that a lot of founders fall into and, and, uh, and be intentional about making time to work on the business and on yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. I've got a client recently. We were, we were going over a lot of the things he wanted to get done in his business. And he, and, and I want to be clear, he's done a good job. He's, he's already um, done a two X improvement on what he had in the time we've been working together. And I think he's easily going to get the five X pretty soon. Um, But we were looking at a a pretty large scope of things that had to be done. And I said, wait a minute. I said, fire up your computer and show me your calendar. (laughs) And we opened up his, his outlook and there wasn't a whole lot logged on the calendar. I mean, it was a, a meeting here, a meeting there, you know, blah, 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 a lot of white space. I said, Oh dude, I said, I want to cut it. I want to see every square on that calendar accounting for something. Yeah. And, and not just filling spots, but, but routines. It will ev- in, in intentional effort yeah. at, you know, if, if Monday needs to be bookkeeping with your bookkeeper, then, yep. you know, block that in. And, yep. and if Tuesday's your sales guys, you know, get them going and, and yep. you got to get some routines. You Sunday some afternoon, discipline. Sunday afternoon, three hours to, to read whatever book I'm reading that week. Maybe it's sales copy. Maybe it's, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's leadership, whatever routines. That's where, that's where the compounding momentum's created. Right. Amen. Amen. Well, Brian, this has been a pleasure, man. Thank you for hopping in and uh, joining us. Um, 
what's the best way that people could get a hold of you if they want to reach out and have their own chat with you? Yeah, yeah. So, well, thanks for having me on your show, Doug. I do really, really appreciate it. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to try out GreenPal, uh, push a button, get your grass cut, just download GreenPal in the App Store. Anybody wants to hit me up, Instagram is the best place to find me. Brian M. Clayton, just drop me a DM there. Okay, great. And both of those will be in the show notes, folks. If you uh, didn't catch it on the fly there, just um, hop back and look up the details of the show here. So uh, one last time, Brian, thank you again. It was Thanks, great. Doug. I had a ball. All right, everybody, we're going to wrap this up, let you go. I do want to remind everybody, if you're listening on audio, we do have a video version over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I really invite you, and I'm dead serious. I say it a lot and probably in every show at the tail here. Uh, leave us a comment. Uh, give us some feedback. Let us know if you know somebody that would be a good guest or if you yourself would like to be one. Uh, there, there are links all over my social media to get you there. We'd love to hear from you and get you involved, get you out in front of the audience here as well. But for now, we're going to say goodbye and have a great day and hope to see you again real soon. Take care. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.